against people there are powers behind what's going on that's the real battle and unfortunately for too many of us we're so used to fighting the human battles that we're fighting the complete wrong battle my pastor john henry corkin used to always say daniel if we're fighting people we're fighting the wrong battle but we live in a day and age where everybody is fighting people that seems to be the easier path to conflict doesn't it You see or hear something that just bugs you and you have to respond to it. But the scripture passage that Pastor Daniel is going to be teaching from today is pulling back the curtain of our earthly existence to show the spiritual reality behind what we see and hear. He'll show you what the Bible has to say about fighting these unseen forces and to help strengthen your witness to others. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Ephesians chapter 6 as he continues his message, Warfare Prayer. God says, have you seen my servant Job? And literally, in the Hebrew language, Satan says, yeah, I've strategized against him. There's a military strategy that Satan has against Job. And here's what I want to tell you. Satan has a similar strategy against each one of us. Because he hates God, he hates Jesus, and he hates us. And so in order to be victorious, and he's been doing this a long time, he schemes against each one of us. He knows who we are. He knows our vulnerabilities. He looks at our lives and he's like, man, I could trip a Fusco this way. I could trip a, insert your name this way. All of our vulnerabilities are different, but because we're all human, we all have vulnerabilities. And so he's got schemes going on. He's like, man, I want to make sure that you realize that there is a struggle going on. Notice in verse 13, it says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. He realizes that the days are evil. He realizes that, that we live in an imperfect world. Surrounded by imperfect people just like us with imperfect systems. And he realizes, the Apostle Paul does, and he's encouraging us that, listen, you can't be ignorant of what's going on. There is a spiritual battle that is raging. Do you realize that if you decide that you want to binge watch the new popular Netflix or Amazon Prime or insert your favorite app Special, you can watch it, but right as you go to pray, everything goes wrong. You can read any book you want. You go to read the Bible and all hell breaks loose. You're super lonely, like I don't have anyone to talk to, and you go to pray, and then all of a sudden your phone won't stop ringing. Because there's a battle. There's a battle to keep us addicted. There's a battle to keep us compromised. There's a battle to keep us from walking In Jesus, in the spirit, that the witness of the gospel might run forth. And until we grab hold of the fact that this battle is very, very real, to quote a movie that I don't know I can recommend, because I don't know if I ever ever saw it, but there's this 
how many of you guys remember Kaiser Soze from that movie? Sinners, no, I'm just kidding. What's it called? The Usual Suspects. The greatest trick the devil ever played is convincing the world that he didn't exist. And many of us are walking through our days forgetting that Satan is real. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Paul is clear as day. Notice verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. He's saying, we do not fight against people. There are powers behind what's going on. That's the real battle. And unfortunately for too many of us, we're so used to fighting the human battles that we're fighting the complete wrong battle. My pastor, John Henry Corkin, used to always say, Daniel, if we're fighting people, we're fighting the wrong battle. But we live in a day and age where everybody is fighting people. And I always like to remind us, as the people of God, we do not follow the culture, we follow Jesus. But because we all live here, like you realize, we live in a day and age where cynicism, being negative about everything, it's like a virtue in our culture. Like where everyone's looking sideways down their nose at everyone, I wonder what their angle is, you know, the whole thing. And that's infected the people of God because we live here. But what's amazing is in a world where cynicism is the norm, being hope-filled and optimistic is a superpower. But I'm here to tell you, God is not cynical. God sees it for what it is. And God's like, listen, I want you to see it for what it is, but I want you to approach it completely differently. And we are living in a day and age where the enemy, the last thing he wants is for the people of God to get into the presence of God so that in his presence, we can see clearly who we are, where we're vulnerable, and we can be changed. See, this is why prayer is warfare. Because when you and I choose to spend time in the presence of a holy God, The fact that God is light and in him is no darkness at all, in the light and illumination of the presence of God, all of our flaws are seen clearly. I always think about this. How many of you have that torture device in your bathroom called the magnifying mirror? (laughs) Those things are from the pit of hell. We have it in our bathroom where it's got like this special light on it. I don't know. You turn the lights off. You turn the little light that's around the mirror on and you look into it and like you didn't realize what a freak show your pores were until you look in that thing. I go in the bathroom. It's not on my side of the countertop. I don't want to see that stuff. Either I walk in, I walk in with like a towel and I just kind of throw it over it because I don't even want to know what's going on in there. It's kind of like when your kids, you say, clean your room, and the kids, they shove everything under the bed, and they pull the blanket down a little bit, and you walk in, there's like papers coming out from under the bed, you're like, did you shove everything under the bed? No, no, there's nothing here. There's nothing here. In the same way, you look in that mirror in your bathroom. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't Google it and don't get one, okay? Because literally, it takes your face, and it amplifies it so much that you're like, I didn't realize that I have all these holes and blemishes everywhere. You know, it's like, it's, it's really the skincare industry way to take all your money. That's what it's there for. <laughs> so if I get you to buy this mirror, I'm going to get you buying our product forever. Every time, like, man, you need to get your pores fixed. You're like, absolutely. I got this. I got all the evidence right here. 
And so, in a lot of ways, though, what that does is it, it shows you everything because of the clarity of the mirror and the way the light works. And in the same way, when we get into the presence of God, because God is perfect, all of our imperfections are on display. We see our vulnerabilities. We see our selfishness and our pride. We see our arrogance and our false expectations. We see our doubts. We see our judgments and our all the isms of our hearts. We see them there, right? And what's amazing is, is we live in a culture, we're all living in it, where all everybody wants is to be affirmed. And I'm here to tell you, our God is not a God of affirmation. He's a God of transformation. And what that means is God accepts each one of us just as we are. But he's not like, look, that's how you are. Great. Stay that way forever. No. God's like, I love you just as you are. I love you too much to leave you like this. So you come how you come, but we don't stay how we are. And God does that by when we're in his presence, he starts showing us who we are. And we start realizing, Lord, I'm faithless. Lord, I doubt you all over the place. God, I have my own agenda. I don't know how many times I've gone to pray and spend time with the Lord. And he's like, you know, you should go apologize to Lynn because you didn't handle that well at all. And Lynn's just like, amen, brother. That's what she's saying right now. Are you saying that? Yeah, see, she's like, so true. That's right. Because when you're in God's presence and you realize like, oh man, like I didn't handle that right. And so we need to get in God's presence, but really the enemy of your soul doesn't want you in God's presence. Because one, he wants you to stay vulnerable and not knowing it. Or when you get into God's presence, he takes the conviction of the Holy Spirit and he turns it to condemnation so that you'll run from Jesus rather than run into his arms. But when you realize, when you see your imperfections and you come to Jesus and you say, Lord, I have not been handling this at all, Lord. I've just been messing everything up. He says, I know. That's why I died on the cross for your sins. I know. The reason you're convicted is because you are my child and whom the Lord loves, he disciplined. I'm chastening you because I love you. Not because I'm against you, because I'm for you. Because I care about you and I have your best interest in heart. And I want to transform you and make you more like Jesus. And so in God's presence, something amazing happens. But what goes on is that the enemy wants to keep you out of God's presence. And he wants to keep us spiritually lethargic, lazy, and apathetic. And if you're here today, be like, man, I thought I'd be farther down the road than I am today. The answer to that would be, it's totally true. But the enemy wants to keep you right where you are. And I believe that today's a day for us to be able to say, Lord, I'm not going to be lazy anymore. I'm not going to be held back anymore. I realize there's a struggle and it's real. And that struggle is for my soul and for me to bear fruit for God's glory. And Lord, I don't want to be ignorant of all these things that are holding me back. Listen to how the Apostle Paul talks about it to the church in Corinth. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I love this. He's saying... The warfare of a believer are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not with human means and ends, but they're mighty in God for the tearing down of strongholds. He's saying, listen, the way that Christians do battle in this world is not the way the world does it. It's a completely different way. And really what God is interested in is these tearing down of these strongholds, these casting down of the arguments 
that are high and they exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And, it, and the goal is to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So in a lot of ways, what we learn in this verse is that the battle that we have is a battle of the mind. It's a thought life battle. How we think about the world, how we think about people, how we see ourselves. I'm constantly learning that as I walk with Jesus, I am constantly in a process of unlearning and learning new things. There's things that I do that God's like, yeah, that's just not who you are anymore. And that's not who I am. And there's a constant unlearning and learning that's always going on as we walk with Jesus. Because God wants us to have thoughts that are in captivity to the desire to walk with Jesus. And really what we find here is the struggle is real because there are spiritual factors. All of these different principalities and powers and rules of darkness of this age. Really the Apostle Paul is is talking about different layers of the demonic, the spiritual realm that is pressing up against all of our lives. So the struggle is real. So if the struggle is real, what should we do? Well, it's really quite simple. You and I, we need to armor up. We need to armor up. And notice, he already said it in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And listen to verse 14 and following. Stand, therefore... Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so really... The Apostle Paul's prescription for us in a world where there is spiritual struggle, not just physical issues, but physical issues that have spiritual rootage for it, is that you and I need to get armored up. And it's amazing because you see it numerous times. Remember how we kept seeing the word stand over and over again? Now it's like, yeah, get armored up twice. And so you and I have to learn how to stand in this world with the full armor of God on. And in a lot of ways, prayer functions so that the Spirit of God helps us to see our lives with the armor on. Now, one of the things that I love, and I've talked to you about this before, is in driving our kids to school, even still to this day, we put on the armor of God with our kids on the way to school uh, every day. And now Obadiah drives himself to school. I hope he's putting on the armor when he's driving as long as he's, got, he's tending to and he's got his eyes on the road. What's interesting about this, by the time you get down to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 20, we find that the Apostle Paul, he says, I, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. See, the Apostle Paul was in jail when he wrote the letter to the Ephesians and a number of other letters. And he had Roman soldiers who were there with him, either guarding him, sometimes in the room. And really what he does is if you were to Google Roman soldiers from 2,000 years ago, they have all of these same pieces of armor. The Apostle Paul sees and he's like, oh yeah, this all fits together. Now, if you think about, and there's obviously there's so much that I could say about each one of these. So I'm just going to give you some highlights to think about. First, in the Apostle Paul's order, 
He says, having girded your waist with truth. Now, back in the day, they weren't wearing jeans and have cargo pants and flannels and all this stuff. They just kind of had like a robe. And so if you didn't put your belt on, then obviously you get all messed up when you're trying to roll. You don't want to be wrestling in a nightgown. Does that make sense? You don't want to be fighting that battle in a nightgown, right? And so, 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 the, so the, the belt kind of held everything together. It was the first thing a Roman soldier would put on. And it's the belt of what? It's the belt of truth. Now, here's what I want to let you all know. First, truth is a person, not a principle. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. So we live in a day and people are like, that's my truth. And I always like to tell people, if you put a, an article in front of the truth, it's not the truth. That's called your opinion. Everyone can have your opinion. Like your opinion might be, Costco pizza is awesome. That's an opinion because I'm from New Jersey and I'm Italian. You don't know. No, don't get me wrong. I'll take any pizza wherever I can get it. But that's an opinion. And so... The truth is a person. Jesus, as the truth, gets to tell us what the truth is. Everything else is an opinion. And it's important for us, everything in our life gets held together by Jesus, who is the truth. If you're here today and you're like, man, my life is falling apart, then you've got to ask yourself, what part of who Jesus is is not holding me together? What am I not trusting in right now? Because Jesus is what holds us all together. So we start with this idea of we have are waist girded with truth. Now, it has the breastplate of what? Of righteousness. Now, the breastplate covers all of your most important organs. Like, if you lose a finger, it might be lousy, your hand will look funky, but you're fine. But the heart, the lungs, the stomach, the liver, all that stuff, if you're in a battle, you want that stuff covered up. The essential organs of our body is covered by the Roman breastplate. Now, for us, it's the breastplate of what? Of righteousness. Now, here's what you have to know. This is why Jesus is so important, because putting your faith and trust in Jesus, Jesus shares his righteousness with us. What protects our hearts and our souls is the righteousness of Jesus. And I always tell people, the reason I believe in Jesus is not because I just want someone to follow. It's not because I'm looking for a guru of the week. It's not because I'm just trying to learn something. I believe in Jesus because at that cross, he became my sin. And he took my sin upon him. And then he traded my sin for me with his righteousness. So I'm here to tell you, the breastplate that you wear is not your righteousness. It's Jesus' righteousness that has been given to you as a gift. That's what happens when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. He takes his righteousness, all the rightness of who God is, and he places it on our lives as a gift. And our hearts are only right when the righteousness of Jesus covers it. So we have the breastplate of righteousness. Then, of course, we have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, what's interesting is if you read history, the Greek army with Alexander the Great, they were known for how quickly they could get from one point to another point. Because back in the day before we had planes, trains, and automobiles, and you can parachute in, the only way for armies to fight was they had to go there on foot or on horses. And so Alexander the Great and the Greeks were smart. They're like, listen, we need to get some good footwear, and they can get there faster, and then the other people won't be prepared, and we can win all of our battles. And you all know this, that we have different foot gear 
for whatever it is that you do. So like, if you're like, hey, I want to go do trail running, you get one kind of shoes. If you want to do short distances, you get another type of shoe. If you want to go uh, stomp on someone's head, you get a steel toe boot, right? You use different things. If you want to be like a weird hippie, then you have the little toe things where, so you can touch the ground and everything. But we love the hippies. You know how it goes. So you have footwear for different things. Now, to be a Christian... What does God want to have on our feet? He wants the gospel of peace to be on our feet. Now, I love this because it's the good news of God making peace with us because Jesus is the prince of peace. And when you're one of his followers, you become what? A peacemaker. Now, brother says, listen, if you're a Christian and everyone you talk to, you're having conflict with, then you're not acting like a Christian. If you're one of those people who is salty with everybody, stop it in Jesus' name. Because Jesus is a peacemaker and nobody gets saved because you are angsty because you watch too much news and you don't spend enough time in your Bible. Can I get a preach for that one? So here's what I want to tell you. If you're that kind of person, and I know you're not, I know you're not, but listen, if that's what you're doing, your tactics are not Jesus's tactics and I guarantee you, you're not seeing the fruit that you want to because nobody's like, man, I can't wait to follow the God who this person is so grumpy, angry, and cynical. I want to be just like this person. Nobody ever says that. When was the last time someone was like, man, I had the nastiest meal. I mean, you got gag reflux. Oh, I can't wait to eat there. <laughs> or this happens in my house. They'll eat something. They'll be like, oh, this doesn't taste good. Dad, you want to try it? No, I don't want to try it. If you told me it was delicious, I'll try it. If you're like, this is nasty. We, or Linda, she did it the other day. She's like, you're so sweet. She's like, I think this is bad. You want to try it? <laughs> well, of course, sweetheart. I've always wanted to drink some rancid milk. Yum. You know? <laughs> That's some of our witness. It's like, man, believe in Jesus and you can be angry like me. <laughs> Stop it. You got to get your gospel of peace on your feet. Where when you show up because you have peace with God, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, guards your heart and mind, and then you're there as a vehicle for peace. We want the footwear of peace, the gospel of peace. I love this. This is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, on the same idea, where it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, Seeking whom he may devour, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. See, there's a battle going on. So you need to be vigilant. You need to be armored up. You need to have the gospel of peace on your feet. I always I love the idea of the shield of faith. Because the enemy is always sending these fiery darts. Now, here's the deal. What I am constantly learning is that It's a choice to hold up the shield of faith. It's a choice that you make to trust who God is and what he's done. And if you're to watch like MMA or boxing or any of those things, and if you think those things are brutal, fine, don't watch them. But one of the things, they call the fight when the other fighter is no longer protecting themselves. It's like right there, they're going to call the fight. If they're not going to protect themselves, they call the fight. And in a lot of ways, if I find myself getting kind of pummeled by life, pummeled by the enemy... At that point, I have to say to myself, I put the shield of faith down. Jesus is real. Are you armored up? You might not be used to thinking about the Christian walk in military terms, 
But as Pastor Daniel showed, that kind of thinking is all over the Bible. And as the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is the only part of your arsenal that is for fighting, it's important to learn how to use it properly. So it's time to be getting about building a daily habit of prayer and Bible reading to keep your armor strong and your sword sharp. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. We would love to connect with you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you are not able to join us in person, connect with us online at live.crossroadschurch.net or find us on Facebook at Go, the number two, and Crossroads. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. There were a lot of good lessons in this teaching series, weren't there? A lot to chew on and to integrate into our lives. Even though Pastor Daniel talked about the reality of the spiritual opposition that every follower of Jesus has, he reminded you that Jesus has already defeated the devil and his minions. There's nothing to worry about. Just go be faithful to what God says you should do, and God will take care of the rest. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.